The Rangers continue their skid and soil a solid debut for Owen White on today's show. We're talking about Owen White's big league debut, another great outing from Cody Bradford, and of course, Corey Seager being absolutely amazing at baseball. All that and more in this episode of Locked On Rangers. Let's get into it. You are Locked On Rangers, your daily Texas Rangers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are locked on to the Texas Rangers. I'm Bryce Patrick, a cryptically addicted Texas Rangers fan since 2010, the founder and host for all five seasons of this Locked On Rangers podcast. Thank you all so much for making Locked On Rangers your first listen every single day. If you're not already, you can follow me on Twitter at Bryce Patrick. You can follow the show at Locked On Rangers and subscribe on YouTube, where the best way you can help grow the show is to comment nearly any single thing below. Today is Wednesday, June 14th. Your Rangers are 41 and 25, still alone atop the AL West with a three and a half game lead. Before we get into last night's weird game in Owen White's debut. This episode is brought to you by GameTime. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use code LOCKEDONMLB for $20 off your first purchase. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Now, welcome to the big leagues, Owen White. Unfortunately, you were saddled with the loss in your big league debut. And an otherwise game that felt like the Rangers should have won. The last two games have just felt really uncharacteristic by the Rangers. The 12-inning loss on Monday... And then this one with a blown lead by the Rangers bullpen was just not a great day for the Rangers in a game that, frankly, they they should have won. This is not a game that the Rangers should have let slip away, but just little mistakes here and there that have been very uncharacteristic. Missed opportunities with runners in scoring position. This is not something that has been a Texas Rangers problem at all this season. They've been fantastic. They've basically been almost Barry Bonds with runners in scoring position, which, you know, this is a good team. This is a good offense and a really deep lineup. But eventually, those numbers had to come back down to earth at least a little bit. They weren't going to keep hitting, what, 340 as a team with runners in scoring position. That's just that's not sustainable, even for the best offenses in all baseball. And I still think they're going to put up a lot of big numbers, and I still think they're going to win a lot of games. And I still do think this is a very good squad that is probably going to make the playoffs. But eventually, those numbers come back down to earth, and, and things just start to bite you. And the Rangers are in a three-game skid. They lost one of those games. And one of the, the first of these games was to Tampa Bay on Sunday to Shane McClanahan. It, it happens. The Rangers kept it competitive, and they could have won that one. They didn't. They should have won the 12-inning extravaganza. They had so many different opportunities, and that was a real, felt like a case of, of you know, cosmic balancing of how good the Rangers have been with runners in scoring position and how many opportunities that they had and how many balls that they hit hard that just did not fall in that 12 inning loss and that was that was a real brutal game for the Rangers not just because it was a 12 inning loss and they had so many opportunities but because they had to use so much of their bullpen and because on Tuesday the Rangers had to scratch John Gray for his start. They had Cody Bradford come up, who, by the way, was absolutely brilliant in his four and a third innings of work. I know you may think, oh, four and a third innings, one run. Why, why is that so brilliant? Well, he just threw eight innings on Friday. This was on short rest coming up to the big leagues, where two of his three starts have been exactly, actually, all of his three starts have been exactly what the Rangers needed. Even when he got shellacked by the Braves, he was pushing that starting rotation back a day, giving everyone a little bit extra rest, and that's what he was supposed to be doing in this series, but John Gray had to miss his start with a blister thing, hoping that he doesn't require an IL trip, because that would be a whole other set of complications that really would would not bode well for the Rangers, but I, I gotta give a big shout-out to Cody Bradford in this one. Four and a third innings, three strikeouts, one walk, two hits, one run, which was earned 
And uh, just really solid work from him. But the story of the day is Owen White, who went two innings, four hits, three runs, all of which somehow were earned. Don't know how that is. One walk, which should have been a strikeout, a missed call. All you can see on the ump scorecard tweet uh, from today's game. A couple of strikeouts, including the first battery saw, and a home run that just felt absolutely deflating and um, somehow only had an expected batting average of around 450 and was only a home run in 19 of 20 of 30 major league parks. It just, it felt like a cheapie off the bat, especially what had come before because the Rangers defense did not do him any favors. This was one of the, the big moments, I'd say the biggest moment of the game. It was a potential double play that you can never count as an error, but the throwing error uh, they charged to Corey Seager, but somehow still the runs were earned. This was runners on first and second in the top of the sixth inning. And Anthony Rendon, a pretty pretty slow runner, was was at the plate. And Dave Raymond on the broadcast said, okay, now he'd like to get his first double play. Well, he had he had the play to do it. Grant, Rendon grounded it, right, hit it right into the ground, into the glove of uh, Marcus Simeon, who flipped it to Seager, who kind of caught it weird. It was a it was a quick flip, but it was definitely one that that could have been turned. Um, but Seager caught it in the heel of his glove and had some trouble with the transfer as he was pulling it out. The ball flipped away and and got away from him, and that allowed the runner who was on second to start the play, Shohei Otani, to score from third base and made it a three to two game as opposed to a three to one game at that point. Um, just. And honestly inexcusable. That is not a play that your major league shortstop can make. Not turning to, okay, that's fine. It was kind of a hard hit ball and it was a quick toss by by Simeon and I think he did a good job to get it to Seager in a way where he could have turned to, but the base runner was basically on him. It would have been difficult to unleash a, an accurate throw and, and Lowe's defense is something that I trust as kind of a constant at first base, which is a wild, wild turnaround from last year and a huge shout out to Nathaniel Lowe and the improvements that he's made defensively. But letting the ball just kick away from you and giving up a run for your rookie pitcher who is making his major league debut and, and honestly shoving. He he was not allowing a whole lot of hard contact and he was getting a lot of whiffs and he, he looked like he belonged in the big leagues. But that run being charged to his ledger as an earned run feels feels wrong. And then later, the very next batter after that was the two-run homer uh, that maybe would have scored Shohei Otani anyway and it would have still been, um, you know, three runs allowed to him in that six to Owen white in that six inning. But still it just felt, it felt just like he was robbed. Honestly, it felt like Owen white was robbed how well he was pitching and just these, these balls, nothing was really crushed off of him. The home run was 95 miles an hour off the bat. Still like still a hard hit ball, but not anything crazy. Um, It just, it, it just felt like he deserved much better in this one. He went only two innings. I know the Rangers were probably hoping to get a little bit more out of him because of what their bullpen has had to do really the last four games. I mean, what what they've done in the 12 innings of work, what they did on Sunday, Jose Leclerc, who pitched in this one, he got lit up for you know three runs in just one third of an inning. I, I don't blame Leclerc for that one, honestly. He came in in a non-clean inning, which I don't know why Burke wasn't able to just finish it off. Burke was absolutely brilliant, by the way, in this one as well. It's two innings of perfect baseball from him. Actually, he did have the one walk, but that was an intentional walk to Shohei Otani, which, again, uh, definitely the right call with how Shohei has done this series with the multi-homer game in 12 innings and reaching base five out of five times in this Tuesday game. He struck out two stranded runners on second and third and was absolutely brilliant in picking up Owen White out of a jam where he was left in. And I, I thought they probably were hoping to get a little bit more out of Owen White, probably hoping to get three innings. I'm guessing the plan was Cody Bradford go around four innings. And I think Bradford, the 
the guess was that he could go about 75 pitches. He went a little bit fewer than that. I think he was at around 60, um, yeah, 64 pitches. Maybe could have gone a little bit more. I I don't have a problem with taking him out there if, if Owen White was ready. And Owen White has pitched in the bullpen before. He did it when Frisco won the Texas League Championship last year. He was absolutely incredible, especially in the clinching game where he fi- faced six batters and struck out all six of them and was brilliant out of the pen that entire postseason run. And Owen White is a guy who, unlike Jack Leiter, his confidence is not in a, a rocky place right now. White is very confident. He has had a little bit of a neck issue that he's been pitching through, but you know he's still battling through it, still looked really solid in this one. Still, um, even if he got rocked in this first big league outing, which he did just a little bit, I don't think it's going to waver his confidence, and the Rangers can send him right back down and have him keep working on all the stuff that he was working on, just try and get that neck healthy, get a little bit more of that velocity back, and start to look like the guy who was, at the beginning of the season, I think my top pitching prospect in the entire organization. It just felt like he deserved better in this one, um, and I'm just really frustrated that that he wasn't able to get the win and you know pitch a little bit more in this one and that the defense let him down in that key spot. But still, congratulations, Owen White. You're a big leaguer. You're no longer a prospect. Nobody can take it away from you. You are a big leaguer for now until all time, despite how that went. Coming up, we're going to look a little bit more into the Rangers' offense, including three hit days from Corey Seager and Nathaniel Lowe. And is it time to start thinking about moving Nathaniel Lowe somewhere else in the batting order? We're going to get into all that in a second. But first, this episode is brought to you by game time game time is the best place to get all of your ticket needs last minute tickets are much better you don't have to worry months of planning in advance game time is the perfect place to go get your last minute tickets they've got deals on tickets right up to the day of the event get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football basketball baseball concerts comedy theater and more the game time guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, game time will credit you 110% the difference. It's the fastest growing ticket app in the country for a reason. Get images of your seat before you buy so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. Buy tickets in a matter of seconds, two taps, and you're set. Tickets are sent directly to your phone so you never have to dig through your email. Snag the tickets without the stress with game time. Download the game time app, create an account, and use code locked on MLB for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account, redeem code locked on MLB for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Shout out to the Everyday Urge for making Locked On Rangers your first listen every single day. On tomorrow's show, I'll be talking about John Gray's importance to this rotation. The Rangers take on the Angels this week. You can catch every pitch with the hometown broadcast on SiriusXM. Just download the SXM app and search Rangers. Now, Corey Seager had a brilliant game in this one, a three-hit day with multiple extra base hits, nearly had two home runs in this one. His double landed uh, on the little fencing just outside the bullpen, maybe two feet away from having a two-home run game. And he has been just honestly absolutely brilliant now that he has had enough plate appearances to qualify. I don't think he's among actual league leader qualifiers. Um, If he was, he would be leading so many categories, but he's he's had enough plate appearances under his belt that uh, baseball savant can finally give him all the little red bubbles in there. And his, his numbers are just honestly, they're right. Keep these out of reach of children. These, these are not something that the youth should be contaminated by his average exit velocity. 100 percentile he is the best in all of baseball expected woba 99th percentile in all of baseball expected batting average expected slugging percentage both those in the 99th percentile hard hit rate 98th percentile barrel rate 98th percentile strikeout rate 
78th percentile, walk rate 65th percentile. He's just absolutely incredible. He is one of the best hitters in all of baseball. And oh, by the way, he happens to play shortstop. Granted, it's kind of, kind of, you know, look at that with a little bit of a skeptical eye at the 28th and 22nd percentile and outs above average defensively at shortstop. He's not going to be a premier defender at shortstop, but he is a shortstop who hits the absolute snap out of the baseball. I mean, he, he honestly could be playing pretty much anyway. He could be your DH and these numbers would be acceptable, but he's also playing shortstop. And, you know, for the most part, I think he's been okay this season defensively, a couple of moments here and there, um, especially like that moment with the double play, the ball getting away from him. It really kind of points out, okay, this guy is probably not going to be playing shortstop for the entirety of this 10-year, $325 million deal. But the offensive numbers are just scary. And I mean, Maybe you're not a big, you know, average exit velocity guy or expected Wobo person or expected slugging kind of gal. Well, if, if you like the, the traditional stats, you're more of a traditionalist kind of person. Well, if you like batting average, well, he's second in all of Major League Baseball in batting average. He's second on base percentage, second in slugging percentage, second in OPS. And the second batting average is only to uh, a guy named Luis Arias, who's hitting, I believe last I checked, somewhere in the 390 range, which is just absolutely absurd like literally absurd he might actually hit 400 this year um excuse me he's all the way down to 382 but you know Corey Seager is is up there at uh, 357 I believe he is after the his last game yeah 357 with an on base of 415 slugging 629 eight home runs by the way he only had one home run before he went on the IL these numbers that he's been putting up since he came off the IL his last 28 days that or 28 days that's 24 games 110 plate appearances he has seven home runs 31 RBI that's 31 RBI in 24 games played and 101 at bats that's nearly it's about a, a, every third at bat he's getting an RBI. He's hitting 356 during that span and on base of 391, so down from his 415 season average and slugging 667, a 1054 OPS. And you want to look in the last seven days where it's just been ungodly. Six games, three doubles, two homers, four walks to five strikeouts, hitting 458 on base of 536, slugging 833 in those last six games, a 1369 OPS over the last week. I'm, I'm pretty sure he's going to win another American League Player of the Week award. Um, I don't know how he didn't win it last year or last week. I guess it's just because Gunnar Henderson kind of went off, but he might just be the American League Player of the Month for June, how incredibly hot he's been. I mean, he's just been absolutely incredible. And, you know, on the other side of him, on, on hitting first and, and hitting third is has not been the hottest streak for either of those guys. Nathaniel Lowe, I do want to commend him. He did have a pretty big breakout game last night, a multi-hit game where I believe he also had multiple extra base hits, including an opposite field home run that did score Corey Seager right after Corey Seager almost homered. Nathaniel Lowe actually homered and hit the absolute snot out of the baseball. Marcus Simeon's been in a little bit of a slump offensively. The last seven games, he's hitting just 121 with an on-base of 147, slugging 182. You knew eventually that was going to come back down to earth after his, what, 25, 20, 25 game hitting streak, I think it was, where he was absolutely carrying this offense to as much as he could for the first two months of the season. He absolutely gets a pass. He is going to work himself out of it. He does not slump for long, and he is still by far the best second baseman in all of baseball and still has a war of 3.0. Um, 
a little over a third of the way into the season, and he's still playing literally every single game, and I don't think he's even had a DH day. Um, same with Nathaniel Lowe, who has also been playing literally every single game, both those guys, 66 game for them. And Lowe has been a little frustrating for me. The offensive numbers have not quite been there. I didn't expect him to win another Silver Slugger award this year, but I expected a little bit more. The walk rate has improved significantly. He's got it 350 on base, which is really nice. You'd love to see him have competitive at-bats and work deep counts. The It's just the the offensive numbers. Numbers. The the home run totals haven't been quite there. He's got as many home runs as Corey Seager, and thirty and Seager's only played thirty five games as opposed to sixty six for low. He does have seventeen doubles, which is no longer leading the team because Marcus Simeon has also been a doubles machine with twenty doubles there. But he's hitting two seventy two, slugging four thirty four, a seven eighty four OPS, which among the regulars in the lineup is the lowest, which is absolutely insane to say about your number three hitter. But I, I think that it's not time to move Nathaniel Lowe. It's not just because he had a three-hit game last night. Um, it's it's not just because I'm I'm feeling like I need to make up for my penance of, of how low I was on the Rangers trading form. But I think there's something really important to lineup continuity. There's a reason why the Rangers didn't just shift absolutely everybody when Corey Seager went down for a month. They put different guys in the number two hole, and yeah, they were nowhere near as productive as Corey Seager. And I think they probably should have put, uh, you know, a little bit less Robbie Grossman in the two hole and a little bit more Zeke Duran in the two hole. But, you know, it worked. The Rangers still kept scoring at a ridiculous pace. And I think there is something to that comfort in that routine that I, I think as we as outsiders who haven't, uh, unless you're actually someone who has played the game before, in, in which case, um, hat tip to you. But I think the rest of us who haven't played Major League Baseball every day, I think we... We undersell the importance of continuity and every every day these guys knowing exactly where they're going to be in the lineup, where they're going to play, what they're going to do every day. And that kind of, you know, just stability is important. And I think that Bruce Bochy knows that. And I think that's one of the things that he has brought is there's not been a lot of changes to this lineup. It felt like with the Rangers offense the last couple of years, I mean, outside of the, you know, one and, and two hole um, last year. It felt like the last like three, four years, you never really knew who was going to be where in the lineup on a given day. And I don't think that was necessarily as much a you know detraction from Chris Woodward. It was more a statement of uh, we don't know wh- what we've got in these players and, and who's our best hitter on a given day. Like, it was way more up in the air than right now. It's like, yeah, Simeon and Seager, those are your one and two guys. And Lowe has a proven track record and can hit well in that three hole. And then Adoles Garcia is trusted in that four hole. And, and putting Josh Young there, hitting fifth, those top five really have not changed pretty much at all outside of when Seager was hurt. And I think that continuity is important. I think it's the same with keeping Jonah Heim hitting sixth. And then seven through nine, it can kind of go either way. I, I like Leoti knowing that he's going to be hitting ninth and him having a, a pretty decent on base um, in that number nine hole at 361 on base and getting on base at a decent clip and even getting into scoring position pretty often for Marcus Simeon, who's been one of the best RBI men in the league as a leadoff hitter, which is not something you say a whole lot. And that also proves the depth of this, the insane level of depth of this lineup. Um, but so I think it's, it's not time at all to worry about Nathaniel Lowe. It's, it's been a little bit of a downturn. Um, we, we've seen him go through some, some slow streaks. But remember last year, the, the power numbers really didn't take off until the second half either. I mean, that month of July was, was really solid. He, he started kind of hitting for power more in June. And then August was when he went absolutely nuclear and had a 1,100-ish OPS for an entire month. Probably should have been player of the month and wasn't. But we've seen Nathaniel Lowe go on those kind of streaks. And with the depth of this lineup, occasionally you'll have games like the last two where the Rangers go, you know, 
one for whatever with runners in scoring position, like they did um, in this game. One for eight with runners in scoring position. The only the only hit was the Nathaniel Lowe two-run homer and 11 runners left on base. That that happens to everybody, and even to the best offenses in baseball. And it's kind of evening out just a little bit. You'd like to see it not even out with a lot of these you know, blown leads and, and blown games, especially when the bullpen has been so freaking taxed over the last few days. And it's going to be another week before the Rangers get another off day. And then after that, it'll be another two weeks where the Rangers don't have an off day. So there's probably going to be a lot more roster turnover and a lot more... Uh, a lot of bullpen turnover as well. But the Rangers do have some insurance coming in the ranks. Um, a couple of guys that started rehab appearances. And we're going to take a little bit of a look at who I trust if the Rangers need somebody to fill in for John Gray if he misses some time. But first, this word from our sponsors. Shout out to the everydayers making Lockdown Rangers your first listen every day. On Friday's show, I'll wrap up the week down on the farm. The Rangers take on the Angels this week and catch every pitch with the hometown broadcast on Sirius XM. Just download the SXM app and search Rangers. Now, Texas finally got some good news in terms of Glenn Otto. I hadn't heard it felt like anything about Glenn Otto in such a long time, but he has started a rehab appearance in Round Rock, and I am honestly so excited. that What I'm not excited about is that it seems like he is going to be stretched out as a starting pitcher, and the Rangers, it feels like everybody that has gone back down to AAA in the last, I don't know, week or so has been with the moniker of, oh, they're going to be stretched out as a starter. Glenn Otto and Brad Miller both started injury rehab yesterday in AAA Round Rock. And I'm not really sure what's going to happen with Brad Miller if he comes back on the roster. I've said many times that I don't think that he necessarily has a position. I mean, there there's really not really anywhere for Brad Miller, and that's no shade to him. And I was a really big fan of the signing when it happened. I thought, okay, it's a nice depth piece, but he just has not worked out for the Rangers. And I know he has good clubhouse vibes, and a lot of the different hitters who have been breaking out have kind of credited what Brad Miller has been able to you know, tell them. But I, I don't know what the Rangers are going to do. They cannot afford to have a roster spot used for good vibes. I know that I'm saying that with, you know, with Sandy Leone on the roster in a sub-500 OPS. But his value is as a catcher, and especially as a personal catcher to John Gray, who has been on the hot streak of his life. And I I don't know that he would necessarily pass through waivers unscathed if the Rangers decided to DFA him and just be ready and willing to come back up whenever that happens. And also the Rangers wouldn't really have a backup catcher who I trust to stay healthy and and spell Jonah Heim consistently um, with Mitch Garver being the only other catcher on the roster. I, I just... I don't know that I necessarily trust that situation, especially since even as as just a DH, we haven't been seeing seeing Garver like every day since he's come back from rehab. I mean, we didn't see him in in the game on on Tuesday night after playing twelve innings on Monday, even as just a DH. I, I just don't know that I trust him to stay healthy, and I think the Rangers, you know, being more cautious with him so that you could have him for the long run and playing him less. I think that's a smart move because again, we've seen what his bat can do when it's in lineup, but still. Uh, Glenn Otto being stretched out as a starter is kind of a disappointment to me. Same with Spencer Howard. I I don't get why the Rangers are so insistent on Spencer Howard being a starting pitcher. I know that when the Rangers traded for him, he was a former top 100 prospect, a guy who was, I believe, in the 30-ish range in a lot of different top 100s in all of baseball, not just in the Phillies system. He's a guy who had a lot of promise and potential. But he just never really got a chance to be a consistent starter until he came to the Rangers. And when he came to the Rangers, it just was the results were not there. It was just 
it was just ugly. And in his couple of rehab appearances in AAA Round Rock, he looked fantastic in multi-inning outings. And as a reliever, that stuff kind of ticked up a little bit. I thought the velocity would tick up a little bit more, and he would be a good back-end guy. He can get some swings and misses, but he's still giving up a lot of taters, getting up a lot of hard contact. And uh, I just I don't know what else they are seeing that I'm not seeing. But again, I said the same thing about Josh Spores in spring training. I thought, okay, this guy's had his shot, and the Rangers just need to go ahead and cut bait with him because he, he just doesn't have what it takes to stick as a major leaguer. It's it's kind of the same situation. They Both of those guys have a, a lot of promise, and just a couple of tweaks could make things right with Spores, who was basically just not missing when he had two strikes. And it seems like he's done that, and Spores has been absolutely elite. We've seen what he has been doing. Um with Glenn Otto, I thought kind of a similar thing. I'd trust Glenn Otto if the Rangers absolutely need starts to to get some innings out of him. But I always thought that his eventual role would be a back-end reliever. I mean, there was a time where he was throwing in the upper 90s um, in kind of shorter stints, and I thought his slider is absolutely incredible. And that as a back-end bullpen pitch, I think, would be absolutely lethal and give the Rangers another guy in the back end of their pen with some premium, premium stuff that can get swings and misses from big leaguers in big situations. And I just don't know why they're they're sending him to be a starter. Like it, The Rangers don't need starting help. There's a lot of other guys that are ahead of him in the pecking order. As, as far as guys who aren't regulars in, their t- in the rotation right now, here's my trust level for throwing these guys out there for a start or moving them to the rotation. Cody Bradford, I, I think after this outing, if the Rangers wanted to go with a six-man rotation or if John Gray lands on the I.L., I feel totally confident in Cody Bradford being a serviceable back end of the rotation option. Next, I'd put Cole Reagans up there. I've had a, a long argument with a couple of people on Twitter about, well, if Cole Reagans can't throw multiple innings in the bullpen, then why can he throw multiple as a starter? Well, it's a completely different animal. It's a completely different animal starting versus coming out of the pen. With Cole Reagans, the last few times he's been burned, it's been coming out for a second inning. If you throw him out there for one inning of work, he has been fantastic, and I think that should be his role. He should either be doing one inning outings or multiple inning outings. And uh, in that argument, someone brought up uh, a couple of guys that the Rangers had as nasty back-end bullpen guys that transitioned back to starters in Neftali Feliz and Tanner Shepers. Well, for those guys... They were relievers for multiple years before being starters. Neftali Feliz was a really, really good starting pitcher. I don't know why the Rangers didn't stick with him as a starter because it's not like the rotation was that great in 2010 um, when they called him up. But they said, hey, this guy can throw primo gas and he can give us uh, a really nasty back-end closer. He was exceptional as a closer in 2010 and 2011. Then I believe it was 2012 when they tried him as a starter because he was still sitting 95 in the in the upper 90s as a starter for five, six innings in Frisco. That, that was a consistent thing with Neftali. Then he had, I believe it was the Tommy John surgery and just was never really the same after that. Tanner Shepers was not anybody who had nearly as much promise as... Um, as the last guy that I just mentioned, Neftali Feliz, but he really didn't work as a starter either. And he wasn't necessarily that amazing as a reliever, but, but Reagan's is a guy who has been a reliever for a couple of months as opposed to a couple of years. And I think that that was always an option in the back of their mind. I'm surprised that they didn't just stick with him as a, as a starter, send him down to AAA and say, all right, well, if we have an injury or something pops up or if, you know, I don't know if, if we, we need you, then, you can keep getting that practice uh, as a starter and work on a little bit of those command issues that he had issues with last year um, and kind of cut down that walk rate. I think that could have been helpful for him because I mean, it's not like there's a whole lot of competition for spots in the AAA starting rotation. I mean, there's Cole Wynn, who 
maybe one day we'll figure it out. There's Cody Bradford. There was Zach Kent at the beginning of the season. We haven't seen him due to injury after one appearance, which is a real bummer because I think the Rangers could really use a Zach Kent in their bull, major league bullpen right now. And I haven't heard any updates on him because I actually put him maybe maybe even ahead of Reagan's if the Rangers needed a, a starter, um, if if Zach Kent was healthy at this point this year. Um, but anyway, I, I think that Reagan's being sent down to AAA to get stretched out as a starting pitcher is a good move. I think that eventually next year, the Rangers are going to have to make some choices. They might lose Heaney. They're probably going to lose Perez. I don't think they're going to reassign Perez, especially not for $19.6 million. And they'll need some young guys that are ready to step into the rotation, be back-end guys, and compete because the Rangers are going to be without DeGrom till at least June of next year. They're still going to have Eovaldi. They're still going to have Gray. They might have Heaney, but... They're going to have Dunning as well, probably still in that rotation. But that leaves one or two spots to be competed for if there's an injury next year, which there's there's always injuries to pitchers. The Rangers are going to need some of that depth, and I think that having Reagans as that starter, Owen White might be ready by the start of next year. He might be. I'm not entirely sure. I don't think Jack Leiter is going to be ready by the start of next year by any means. I think that my most optimistic timeline for him is that Jack keeps shoving and and stops missing glove side with all the fastballs and gets a better command of that breaking ball and then gets a promotion to AAA in July-ish and then starts next season in AAA, continues to improve on what he's improving on and look like the guy we all hope Jack Leiter can be and then earns a big league promotion in like May or June of next year if he shoves in AAA again on this on this nice timeline. Owen White, I'd be a little bit more aggressive with his promotions because I think that mentally he's he's more it's more physical uh, development for him than I think mental development. Um, not that to say that Jack Leiter is weak mentally, but it's just it's just some little more mental things as opposed to you know mechanical kind of stuff to iron out for him. But anyway, I was frustrated with how they were using Reagan's. I'm glad they're deciding to do this, and I hope that. I hope that eventually they they give up on the Spencer Howard starting starting pitcher and just throw him in one inning rolls, have him go let it all the way loose, maybe top out at 99 and get some swings and misses from big leaguers in the back of a Rangers pen because I don't think that cutting him or giving up on him is by anywhere near the prudent move for the Texas Rangers. Congrats to Owen White, the big leaguer. Hopefully your next time out, you'll be able to get the win and go shove just a little bit better than you did in your first one. Thank you all so much for making Lockdown Rangers your first listen every day. And until next time, don't forget to enjoy first place Texas Rangers baseball.